0: Hmm.
1: Welcome to this special edition of the Housecast. Uh, again, I'll mention, we're very uh, kindly sponsored by Johnny Russell at Milltown Pies and our Caterers. Thanks very much, Johnny. I know you've been in touch and you're listening to all these. Uh, so we really appreciate that and we appreciate uh, I'm sure Stanley's thinking if you'll start paying for your sponsorship, sponsoring that might be helpful. Stanley's smiling there. Um, so, yeah, check him out online on Twitter, Facebook and everywhere else and obviously his shop on Kong Road. Uh, we have got other sponsors who are looking to come in and assist us uh, with this, and so watch out for breaking news around um, around those other sponsors coming in. If the listeners can subscribe to their specific podcast providers, it helps us out with um, with sponsorship, with sorting out the figures for who's how many's listening, and does help us out. Uh, so that's great. Uh, I'm Jess. I'm hosting this special edition with uh, our MD, Matt Stansfield. Uh, good morning, Stanley. how are you? Not too bad, Jess. yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. We had a bit of um, a family stroke, Nicky Hulk run bingo last night, which was fancy dress over Zoom. That's right? okay. Which was entertaining, as you can imagine. Um, went on probably a little bit too long, yeah, but we're good. are you going on with your... Uh, your two twins are back at home, Stanley. You and three girls locked in. Um, the,
2: there aren't three girls here anymore. I've, um, and there's a, there's a lot of uh, soil, uh, loose soil on the patio out the back. <laughs> <laughs> not, not saying it's not going well, but... Uh, no, it's it, to be fair, they've, uh, they've been very good. They, um, they've got each other to, to bounce off. Um, so they do keep each other entertained when they're not... Uh, falling out and, and farting with each other but uh on the whole, I can't rumble, I don't think they've been good. Oh that's good. That's good, Stanley.
1: Uh also on this uh to assist me as hosting it we've got our one of our resident uh presenters, uh, Gary Morris. Morning Gaz, how's it going up uh, or down there
0: still? Morning Gaz. yeah. Um all going well. Um British day yesterday, weather's great. Um stuck some new curtains up that we've been waiting for since pre lockdown. And- Local business managed to get uh, get those uh, out to us. And uh, yeah, so that was my job yesterday, hoping to get uh, bank holiday off now, you know, but you never know, Grandma will have some more duties somewhere lined up. I've no doubt. I've no doubt.
2: well you, you have a drive up here today. It seems seems to be you're allowed <laughs> to these days, I think, aren't you? Yeah, that'd be all right if I still had some family up there, Matt, but
0: everyone <laughs> else has played <laughs> off as well. Yeah, no, fair enough.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: Uh, great that, uh, Gary. Is that an indoor chimney that I can see behind you, Gary, for a,
0: a log burner? It is, yeah. Oh, yeah, obviously I work for uh, a manufacturer and that's one of our products. So, um, yeah, and to- and toasty in winter, that's handy. I bet, I bet. I've just got a price for one fitted in
1: our kitchen, so uh, I might have a chat with you off air and see what, uh, see what you think of this price I've got. Yeah, not a problem, not a problem. Anyway, enough of uh, the foreigners and, and small talk. Stanley, we've uh, you've requested to come on the the podcast really to give everyone an update uh, around the club, uh, where we're at, uh, where we're going with it, um, etc. People who were listening, we've got so many listeners. You know, we're up to like almost five hundred listeners, a show now, Stanley, and it is increasing. So just you know, me and you have known each other for absolute donkey years. Uh, you're quite a bit younger than me, but I think it's worth just going through a little bit of your history at the club. You're obviously the younger brother of Paul Stansfield, who we've had on. Just give us a bit of a history about, you know, what, what your early memories at the club and how old you were, etc. If you don't mind, Matt.
2: Yeah, no problem. Um, it, my history is not dissimilar to uh, Paul's in that it was my granddad who um, first got me down the club uh, back in the uh, the early '80s. Sort of watching uh, first eleven games. I think the first players that I really remember are um, Stan, um, Iggy were sort of the star, the stars of the show back then. Uh, Alan Holding, uh, another one, Phil Astin. They're the first players that I sort of really remember um, as, as a kid watching. And then I'm sort of watching. Uh, went into um, into to running the uh, the scorebox, doing the tins on the scorebox. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and, and sort of playing a bit of, bit of junior cricket, got in the, the under-13s when I was sort of 11, 12. Actually, I made my third-team debut probably around the same time as I made my under-13s debut on the basis that one Bank Holiday Monday. Um, we had no players. Alpo was, was called in. Bleson and, and Matt played in that game as 13. It was actually quite, quite a funny game because um, I think, I, I seem to recall, that we were playing Richton and Richden um, scored about 170, right? Um, and we batted second chasing, and we literally the, the team we had out was, was as scratch as scratch can be. I like say I was about 11. Um, a player who played a lot against us actually called Johnny Dobson. Um, I think I recall him getting eight for, and I don't think he was known as a bowler, uh, but he got about eight for, and then we actually knocked them off. But Bla- Blaise got 96 or 90-odd 90 not out. Your Matt got 70 not out. <laughs> the rest were extras. And I think we were eight down at the point that uh, <laughs> we knocked them off. So not, no one else in the team scored a run other than, uh, other than Matt and Blaise, really. About 11 then, Stanley. Yeah. And then obviously I didn't play. I, I only played that game in the, the third team because, uh, because they literally had nobody to. Uh, it, was, it was pick me or get a fine type thing. And then played in the under-13s, Reg Wardle. Uh, was the coach back then similar to old Paul now I I don't know if I I think I told you the other week um, Reg uh, contacted me out of the blue uh, the other week 86 year old Um, and honestly it was remarkable talking to him he remembered all the names all the people all the characters he remembered um, quirks in the way people played for example Joe Beneducci Uh, he told a story about Joe Beneducci not being the most technically gifted Right, uh, But, but uh, being able to stick in and, and, and sort of hang around, if you will. So it was really interesting to hear from Reg. And like I say, just completely out of the blue. I was sat at work, and obviously, from a work point of view, I get phone calls from different numbers all the time. So I just picked up the phone, old voice comes on. Hey, is that Matthew? Yeah, it's Reg Wardle. Jesus. Great. So really, uh, it was great to speak to him. And like I say, absolutely sharp attack. Where is he, standing now? where is he living? He's in Red Roof Cricket Club, is it? Down. Down south somewhere, I think it's near your way more than us, Gary. These days, yeah. So he's down there. He moved there in 1998, he said on the phone. Just sharp as a like, remembered everything about everybody. Uh, he did mention your dad as well, Jez, which was uh, nice to hear. Us, yeah. Uh, sadly, he asked how it was going on, and I had to break the news to him. But uh, yeah, these things, uh, yeah, these just, things
1: happen.
2: Of course they do. Yeah, that's right. And it, uh, but that's fantastic
1: because we, you know, we we chatted it through on these podcasts previously, Stanley. That. But Reg and Bill Holt and that sort of era that that was the start of the junior section, I would you know, and probably just before my time even. I know you find that difficult to believe.
2: But so. Yeah, but Bill's not someone I recall, but it was all Reg Wardle. When when you went down it was Reg Wardle. Yeah, yeah. I remember when myself there was sort of in that era at that point, there was myself, Gavin Shields, Matt Marquis. Charlie Cotton joined us when he was about 13, moved over from, uh, from Bury uh, into the area. So we joined him when he was about 13. But Johnny Russell, uh, Joe Beneducci was sort of all in that, that two-year two year group there. Um, I remember because they thought we had something about us, and obviously some of us did, some of us not so much. Harry Brooks paid for, uh, paid for Graham Bushell to do some coaching for us when we were about 14, 15 as well to try and sort of give us that extra nudge along to, uh, to be a bit better than what we were I and mean, like I say for some it worked and for others it was probably a bit of money wasted to be, to be quite
1: frank. Don't be daft, do be daft, it's great uh, for everyone and like you said we've you know some great memories, some great games and, and long may it continue, long may it continue Stanley. so that really brings us on to you know why you've requested to come on the show you you mentioned that you want to get out to the spectators and the fans and the the members about what what state of play is at the club um so go on feel free to uh, to let us know you know in these very difficult times what uh, what's going on at the cricket club
2: yeah obviously um it couldn't, things as far as timing and what have you for a, for a cricket club, couldn't have been worse, could it? The, uh, the government called the uh, the lockdown uh, literally um, two to three weeks before the season's about to start. With every club, um, I know I've spoken to the chairman of various other clubs, uh, all in a similar position insofar as you've already engaged your pro, you've, you've, you've spent all your money prepping for the season. Um, things like all uh, well, your, your wicket repairs, all the things that that, that cost all the money over the winter have been spent. Yeah, and then the point where you've got a chance of recouping a little bit of that, unfortunately, for, for reasons outside of everyone's control, the uh, the plug gets pulled. So um, it's a difficult time for every cricket club, and it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out uh, beyond this. From, from our sort of individual point of view, we if we if we look at it. As far as income is concerned, our only guaranteed income at the moment is uh, the underkill money that right. um, you kindly facilitate for us, Jess. And thank you for that. Yeah, no, uh, but that is literally the only income uh, against a list of of sort of outgoings that, uh, that have to continue. So utility bills, uh, groundsman salary. Although the, the groundsman's hours have been been vastly reduced, we need to, to pay to keep the upkeep. You've got um, things like insurances that need to be paid. So there's there's a sort of list of things, that that, of of liabilities that we can't escape, that that have to be paid on a monthly basis, um, and and very limited income. Now, from a timing point of view for us, we'd had the annual draw, which had obviously um, raised a reasonable amount of income. We'd already obviously had the bonfire in November. Again, that's probably our biggest money earner of any event at the moment and does does uh, take all the pressure off in the uh, the winter months. But beyond that, our our sort of revenue streams are our um, functions and functions of which we had a relatively full calendar stopped overnight. We got ourselves into the position in the last few months as well where we had a lot of um, things happening at the club during the week that were generating income. So we had the um, uh, Smile Club, which is um, a group that meets... Um, on a sort of twice-weekly basis for people with, uh, with learning difficulties. We had things like uh, Weight Watchers there. We had Pilates, clubs, all kinds of things going on that, we, that were actually generating income covering costs during the week. But again, because of, of what's happened, all that sort of stops, stops overnight. Yeah. Um, so then it, it's really been a case of, of right, working out what the liabilities are, working out what our, um, our income's going to be, and then filling in the gaps around it. Now, what, I, what I'd like to say is a massive thank you to, uh, to the members uh, because um, we've had a, a great response to our request for subs payments. Um, I, I, it's made a massive difference in, in taking a lot of pressure off. That's something that uh, we are really thankful for because we appreciate that it's not easy for everybody. Everyone's in, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people around members that are furloughed and things like that at the minute, Um, So their incomes have have also reduced, so to to commit to paying the subs um, by the members has has been fantastic and that has taken a lot of pressure off. Um, One other thing, sorry, that that I should have mentioned that fell by the wayside was the the Beer and Gym Festival. Adam, Frank and and Tony in particular um, have done a massive amount of work to get the Beer and Gym Festival going and we look like we're heading towards a bumper sellout weekend over the Easter weekend and again, Sadly, what uh, would have been probably probably um, a second bonfire type event for us, um, plug unfortunately had to be uh, had to be pulled. So that's sort of where we're at at the minute as far as our own incomes concerned, and, and, and where we see ourselves as things stand. The optimism in your voice
1: is is really refreshing, Stanley. It's really good that you know the hundred claw, the the lower house draw is. is He's assisting and keeping the club going, which is fantastic and it's easy to do. And there's so many members in it, you know, and no one complains. It's a really, really easy way of uh, of generating some cash to keep the club going, which if anyone wants to join who's not already in, then then just give us a shout on Twitter um, or contact any any of the, the committee or the players and they'll get in touch with me and we can sort that. And then the other thing, Stanley, is the members that are, are actually paying you know, paying the subs just to keep it going—that that is, that is fantastic—and it just shows what the clubs are about. I'm sure it's happening at other clubs, but it is—it's—it's uh, it's fantastic to to hear is that. That's that's really
2: good. As a club, Frank Frank does a fantastic job organising the membership um, and the annual draw as well. To 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 be honest, he does a, um, a sort of a fantastic job organising and mobilising the membership for us. He's he's done that this year. I think probably the position right at at the minute is that. As a club, we, I think we've got the, the biggest membership in the league. But as it stands, I think we've probably had two-thirds of, of sub-payments made, roughly. Um, which, when you consider that um, there's, a, there's a likelihood that a lot of those people aren't going to get to see any cricket this year, or a possibility, should I say, that they're not going to get to see any cricket, um, I think that's, um, that's testament to the membership that we've got, just how supportive they are to us as a club. Yeah, it's
1: fantastic that. Gary, you know, you're miles away. I know you're a member of the, the drawer and you're a member of the
0: of the club, etc. Have you any observations from uh, from your end? You're doing this in your in your own time as well, you know, you've got your, your your own business and your family and everything else going on. Uh so, you know, all 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 credit to yourself and uh, the people on on uh, the on the committee that uh, that are that are trying to work all this out i think what would be interesting you know, is what other areas of external support have or haven't been available that um you know because obviously there has been helpful sort of small businesses i mean i i don't think we have employees as such so you know in terms of being able to sort of furlough some wages uh it's tricky etc and also following on from that is um given there there isn't really a clear point in which we might start some some sort of activity Sort of plans are being put in place for any sort of opening where you know social distancing, um, flow around the club or around the ground and things like that are, are
2: in place. Yeah, just um, just on the um sort of external support, we've had um, for example, the Beer and Gym Festival, we had a lot of people um pay sponsorship into that to start with, lots so of virtual um, catering, all the Sonora Motor Various businesses paid in and uh, have been kind enough, really. MKM, our, our neighbours at the Building Supplies Merchants, they've been kind enough to leave the sponsorship money in for us, um, which obviously makes things easier. Our, our main club sponsor, SPE, um, made their payment about a week before, before lockdown commenced. And again, we're very thankful for them for their, their ongoing and continuing support. As far as ex- like different external funding, we've uh, been able to avail ourselves of the uh, government business rates grant because um, the bar is obviously considered to be hospitality. Um, so we've been able to, to secure that money and uh, equally, um, we've been successful in applying for um, Sport England Community Emergency Fund. We've not had that money in the bank just yet, but that, that we've had confirmation that, we've, that our application has been accepted and we've received the money within 28 days. So, so we've been able to what I would consider myself secure the sort of immediate future, and I'm sort of confident that that even if the ball's not bowled this year, um, we've enough to see ourselves through to sort of this point next year. Now, you've touched on the future there, Gary. My biggest, my biggest concern, to be honest, is is what they, they keep going on on the news about this the new normal, don't they? Um, and I think my my biggest concern is what does that new new normal look like for um, a business like the cricket club? Because um, we do rely on on uh, private functions to generate income. Uh, beer is beer is what 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 fills our bank accounts up. Selling beer fills the bank on on a weekly monthly basis, and it's what allows us to do all the various things that we do with with the coaching with Stan etc. Uh, now I know that that we've got. Uh, a number of functions um, booked in, private functions booked in uh, beyond um, when they they sort of anticipating that certain lockdown measures might be, be lifted. Uh, and again, testament to Stan and, and Rusty for keeping that going at the moment. In that um, they're having to obviously functions that are falling by the wayside week on week. So we, we're doing a month month by month at the moment. So when we get to the start of May. We start cancelling all the functions in in June and, and so on. So Rusty and uh, and Stan are driving around uh, paying money back to people that paid deposits and all those kind of things. So again, testament to them for doing that. But yeah, it's just it, it, we've got enough income to see us through. I just I just do worry w- whether in the future um, functions are going to be as popular as what they were uh, pre lockdown. Are people going to change the way that they um, the way that they go about social activities? Will it be a benefit to us having all that outside space? Will that be something that people see as a great way of getting together without the risks associated with being locked up in a, in a tiny pub? I don't know, and I don't think anybody knows, which is is what makes it sort of difficult to, to plan for, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I do, you know, I've not thought of it like that, Stanley. I'm, you know, I like to think I'm, I'm involved and I help where I can at the club, but what you're alluding to there is probably what all corporate businesses and you know who who there's no cricket that they're, they're gonna have to come up with these sort of plans aren't they as well it's it really is an unknown situation
2: that no one's ever been in um, yeah the, the government the support from the government for businesses is, is as in my opinion um obviously the cricket club and and um businesses i'm involved in myself uh has been excellent. Um, <laughs> My business relies on cars crashing into each other and they're not, there's no cars on the road to crash into each other at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're quiet. It, yeah, I think the government support's been, been great, but, I, but I, do, I do think that a lot of it is aimed at trying to um, stop the, the bigger problems that, that probably come post-lockdown. Um, and and we'll just, we all have to wait and see, don't we? Because I don't think that uh, anybody knows exactly What's going to happen uh, in the in the uh, in the future yet? Yeah, it is. It's you know. And
1: it, it, <clears throat> let's hope that you know by getting this out there a little bit selfishly for the cricket club. Let's hope that by getting this this out to all the fans and all the spectators, when things start to ease a little bit, people understand that and understand that you know there's going to be different ways of working and different measures at the club and and how you get your back, yeah. how you play cricket. You know, it's just you know, the, the actually, physically the players being in the dressing room together. You know, that mm. that's something that we'll obviously need considering as well. So,
2: yeah, difficult times, Stanley, difficult times, but you do sound upbeat about it. I think the reason why I'm upbeat about it, is because of the club that we are and the people that we've got. And I think that um, we, we've we've spent years and years making silk purses out of sour's ears, haven't we?
1: Yeah.
2: And I think that, that that, in this situation, sort of sounds as in, in good stead. There's not many clubs being in the position that we've been in and, and rebuilt and and got back to to where we are. I was listening to one of the other podcasts from uh, one of the other clubs the other day, and one of them mentioned about Old Law House, um, for example, a 2020 night at Law House is is a fixture that every every cricketer wants to play. in. now it's great to hear things like that, and, and it's great to 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 sort of appreciate that that all these other clubs see what we do. Appreciate it really, and, and when they get the chance to come and join in, one of them there's a thousand people there watching. They, they absolutely love it themselves. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's testament to the hard work of the people, the people there behind the scenes, um, making everything tick over on a day to day basis. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and it's a good point that you make. You know, I do like that. You know, we we making uh, purses out of people's ears is a good analogy, and we've done it for so long. And and the people before us. Before us did that, you know, they talk about custodians of cricket and that's what we are and, you know, and it will, we will get it back. It might be different, but it will be back.
2: No, so I'm really, uh, I'm really encouraged about those words. Just on the silk purse out of Sal's ears thing, um, I mentioned that so I used to, um obviously my my granddad was how I first uh, came down to the club and one of the things that we used to do was in the school holidays when it was my granddad's time to, uh, to look after us. Um, he'd take us down um, to the club during the week and um, there'd be little bits of jobs. He'd be mending the tins. He'd be doing all kinds of little bits of things. Uh, but you always had, Jack Hayes was there all the time. Uh, Joe Waterworth um, was there all the time. Harry um, Young was always tending to the gardens on the uh, the far side, Graham Young's dad. Um, so I remember I remember all of that. And, and when I started doing the, the, the score box, and my granddad was like maintaining the tins and things like that for us, and making sure that the the over numbers were visible, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, myself and Andrew Wren um, started a, a scorebox a score refurbishment fund, and, and effectively what we did was we donated every week out of our wages. Man, at the time was three quid for doing the tins. His was eight quid for scoring. We donated say fifty p um, out of that money back towards uh, making improvements in the scroll box And we bought a tin of paint and one or two other bits with it and spent one day in the summer holidays uh, painting. But um, I don't know if you remember, Jez, they used to do in the clubhouse, occasionally, like junk auctions. Do you remember those? I do, yeah. 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 And, and do you remember them, Gary? I can't remember yeah. whether it was, I think, either Clifford or or Steve Kropinski, somebody was auction master on this particular night. And one of the items that was in the, the auction was an old, like a, an old wall clock. And we thought that'd be absolutely perfect. Back wall in the score box. Every score box needs a clock because you've got about the times in the score, uh, in the score book, et etc. So we had our little fund that we collected, the score box uh, uh, refurbishment fund. And we, we sat down at the back of the room ready for the auction. And we started auctioning all the items. And it got to this clock. And Clifford or Steve Kropinski. Said, right, I'll start the bidding at four pence. So someone at the front puts their hands up four pence, eight pence, twelve pence. Andrew Wren sticks his hand up at the back of the room and says, two pound. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> From 12, twelve pence to two pound. <laughs> and I, I looked at him, and it, like obviously, I was only about 11 or 12 years old, and I looked at him and said, why have you just Why have you just been two quid for someone that was selling a club? So you were, you were
1: earning money from the club, donating it back to a fund, and then buying something from
2: the club to give it back to the club. <laughs> Absolutely. So the club was winning every which way up. And I know that we, uh, I know that uh, Gary mentioned working the bar uh, the other night. So that, People, when you mention that to other clubs, oh, we all used to work the bar and, and, and this, and the other, they, they think, they look at it as if to say, I can't believe you did that, and, and how, how come you ended up doing that? Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, I don't know about you two, but I, I, I thought it was great fun at times. We had some absolute riots on those nights yeah. working the club. I remember yeah. doing one where it was a paddy do, and all the pumps broke within half an hour the pump system just completely, that distribution thing went down. So we had to sell two bottles at the same price as a as a, a pint. And uh, the morning after turns up to the game, so leaves the club at one o'clock, managed to avert a riot of all, all the paddying. Turns up, uh, turns up put the game the day after and uh, gets a bollocking off Rusty because two bottles sells for four quid and a pint's two quid. So we have a ball up for using your initiative. We had a room full of thirsty party, and there's something I had to give somewhere. Orden! Orden!
0: Send more house to save the house!
1: I think it's a great story that Stanley. That it really speaks a lot about you and you know the way the club is run and you know, like you said, we've been through some times before. You know, can you remember that? Well, yeah, you possibly you'll have heard the story, I've no doubt, Stanley, when your granddad, Jack Cochrane, and my dad used to go around picking up nails up after bonfire. <laughs> and they would literally get I don't I don't even think they used a magnet, they would get all the nails. And then, you know,
2: they would say, well, they're useful. We will, we will use these nails again. And then we'd catch them, to end up straightening some of them. I, them tins, my granddad used to look after them. Um, and he greased them. He, and it, it was actually remarkable that they they lasted as long as they did. Yeah. But that was just by somebody taking the time and care uh, because we couldn't afford any new ones. Yeah. to just made the best of what we had with the ones that we had. Yeah. It used to be an horrible sound in it when you were bowling, and uh, and it got, you got it for four or six, and you hear the ching ching jing ching going in the background. Yeah, <laughs> but was even from that stand, I'm sure Gary can remember this. Can you
1: remember before we even had the box? You know the tins that you'd li- literally flick round. It used to be a sheet metal, you know, eighteen inch by twelve inch piece of metal that were painted black with a white number painted on it.
0: You remember that, Gaz, won't you? So if, if any of those, if any of those hooks or screws that they hang on were missing or loose, you didn't really want to be walking in front of the oh. box below there, because there were a number of times you you just you there were near misses where we you know a toddler walking below who could have lost a limb or something. It was just it were
2: unreal. Yeah, there you go. I think I think it was Jack Cocker who once got hit on the head by one that I dropped. <laughs> he was stood in front of the score box and. Uh, I think the the hundred had come up, and I I, I leant in the window to to hang the, the number up because we didn't have a tin for the the hundreds, did we? Right. So I think when we bought the tins, we probably didn't think we'd need them with the way <laughs> we were shopping. But uh, <laughs> so we only had the the hang up numbers for the hundreds, and um, I, I dropped it out the window. I'm sure it was Jack Cocker. It's on the edge, so in front of the. Uh, cause that's where I think that's where he used to stand, isn't it, Jack? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right under the scoreboard.
1: Yeah, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic times uh, and memories, and like you said. Stanley, let's hope that this you know, gives everyone the boost and we can all look forward and you know, come up with ideas and help all we can. Um, have you had much from the league exec as far as
2: you know, the state of play, any time scales, any cut-off points? The sort of initial advice from the league exec was um, they didn't expect any play up until, um, I think, they, they, they went for the mid-season point. So I think the, the natural break in the fixtures for mid-season was something like the eighth of July, and they, they said to us that they were aiming for that date. Um, the most recent update um, was a bit more open ended than that, and I think Bibby sort of indicated um, that he um, he didn't think there's going to be any cricket before August, and that would make it difficult to do anything meaningful. I was a little disappointed at the outset with the, the league exec in that they made a call very early to. Um, decide that whatever we did was going to be non-competitive I didn't necessarily think that was the right thing to do because I do think the lads have waited for months and months to have a game it it means more if there's a little bit of something riding on it now I wouldn't sort of advocate that that teams should be relegated or things like that in in a a half season scenario but I didn't see any harm in in playing for some kind of uh, trophy or recommendation or or, or recognition that kind of thing Really. yeah No, I was a, bit, a little bit disappointed with that. Um, we obviously, um, when the um the the league made that call, uh, we then had a decision to make in relation to the professional Orbis Pinar, who we were really looking forward to having over uh, and seeing plays exceptional cricketer by all accounts, um, and uh, quite explosive as well on his day. Um, but um, I'm, I'm pleased to say that he was absolutely magnificent with us. Um, kept dialogue with him, um, right. From the point it sort of appeared there was going to be a problem, um, until the point that we had to obviously make a call to say, "Sorry, but bearing in mind the sort of uncertainty around everything. We're not going to be able to uh, to commit to the contract." So um, it's a sh- real shame because I was really looking forward to seeing all this over here because he's, he's a player, I don't know if, if you know this guys, but you've probably come close to signing him two or three times in the in the past. Right. Um, the the first time we signed him. Uh, sorry, we nearly we came close to signing. It was actually the year that we signed Frankie first. All right, so it came down to a straight toss up really between Um Orbis and and Frankie. Uh, and at that point, Orbis was um was bowling quick, um, left arm quick. Uh, and the decision was that they just thought Frankie's bowling would maybe be better suited to us than what uh what Orbis's was. Uh, he went to Ireland that year and broke AB de Villiers batting record, so yeah. um. Thankfully, the uh, signing of Frankie worked out equally as well for us. So, yeah, we, don't it,
1: rumble, can we?
0: But
1: yeah, that's a, you know when the winning streak started, wasn't it? So, you know, yeah, he, it, was. it really was. But, but yeah, I've looked at his stats and looked at what he does, and mm-hmm. I was excited about watching him play. So, do you, is have you left it open that there's potential opportunities for him to come back in in future years, or, or is, is, that, is yeah, that- yeah,
2: yeah? I've sort of. Um, we, we've not agreed anything with him or anything to, to that extent, yet. Yeah. But what we have done is said, um, with like first refusal on, on him next year, if he's, he's coming back, I think he's got one or two things he needs to iron out um, back home. Um, the, the system over there is changing again a little bit. Um, they have the franchise system, don't they? And he was playing franchise cricket this year, uh, but with the quarters and various other things, unfortunately, he's lost his, his current franchise deal. Uh, but he's expecting that he's going to be continuing in first-class cricket for at least another season. So we've said to him that if that, that is the case and he, he wants to come back next summer and we're in a position to take him back, then we'd like first refusal really on, on his services.
0: You, you mentioned this, Danny, about um, in, a, in a position to to take him back. I mean, one thing that's been raised uh, in other leagues, and I think Matt Bibby's uh, statement touched on it, was that for, for the the next full season, some leagues would consider playing without professionals obviously, obviously it's, it's the biggest match day um, and probably for some clubs the, the, the biggest seasonal um, outgoing um what, whats your, what's your
2: position on that um i've always i've always been very um, staunch we've got to protect the pro thing um, and for me, the longer we can keep with pros and the longer we can uh, continue to engage pros within our clubs within the league we, we absolutely have to and, and I would I would understand if clubs were reluctant in, in the current environment but at the same time if there is a way of making it happen to keep pros in the league I think we've really got to because um, I think once we once we dispense of that I think we are opening ourselves wide up to the, the paid amateur thing and, and what have you. And I think that the only thing that that will benefit is is the real wealthy clubs. And whilst we're not um, a wealthy club, we're not um, we're not a, a skint club either, so to speak. Um, but I, I do think that we're one of the clubs that will be really threatened by um, the introduction of paid amateurs on the basis that we, we put so much effort and, and, and money into... Um, producing cricketers, it would be really disappointing if the, all that time and effort was basically spent and ultimately when these lads get to 16, 17, 18, somebody comes along with 40, 50 quid a game and they disappear uh, down that route because we're not in a position to, to compete with that. So I'm, I'm a big believer that we've got to keep the pros on the basis that I think it protects clubs against the what I would think is... is a worse situation of, of paid amateurs. Because I think once that once that gets into the league, there's no way back, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that, Stanley. I agree with everything you've said. It's a different type of game once you start getting, let's call them journeymen, who travel from club to club. Uh, they don't care about the club. Uh, and it's no. everything that we,
2: we aren't, in my view. Uh, Yeah, I I don't follow um, sort of semi professional football so much, but but when you used to, um, when the Telegraph, Lancashire Telegraph used to be really good at at the cricket coverage, when you used to have the Monday night sort of um, coverage of of what had happened in the league over the weekend, I remember picking the paper up and you'd have, say, um, such and such managers moving from Paddyham to Barnallswick, and eight of the players weren't with him, weren't they? You'd think to yourself, well, it just doesn't seem to me. I don't know how you build a club around around that because I do think Stan always goes on about this, and I think to some extent he's right. A lot of what is good about our league um, is the fact that a lot of the people watching work with the people that are playing games, or they see them in yeah. the in the Rose Grove. they see them around the place, don't they?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and and it, it builds a bit more affinity than than a lad who's just driven in from from out of town or, or the next time along, just to uh, just to pick up his uh, his money. Yeah, and that and that we called a community club, and that is exactly yeah. what you just
1: described exactly what you've just described there. So just going back, I made a few notes there, Stanley. The the beer and gin festival then. I remember that, and it was a fantastic weekend as well. The weather wasn't it? Um, I'm just looking. Is that something you would look to resurrect? Hopefully, all all things being equal, even if there's no cricket towards the end of the summer
2: um we we discussed it tentatively um on the basis that we we didn't want to commit to anything around um what might be the cricket calendar and also around what other functions we may already have have booked in also we don't really want to encroach on (coughs) any possibility that the the bonfire may go ahead if if, if that's possible who knows at this this stage um but again a massive Uh, Earner for us, so we sort of in our minds uh, decided that what we would do with the the Beer and Gym Festival is just start again next year. When we get to Easter next year, look to to have the exact same event pending for for that weekend Uh, and just hope that the weather is as kind to us next year as it was this year. I'm going to move on, Stanley, just
1: to, to the podcast and your thoughts about the podcast and what's been said previously. Gary, is there anything from yourself? Um, around the serious stuff and about the future of the club before we move on.
0: Um, The guidance in terms of maintaining the ground, obviously being able to get up and running quickly. People might be thinking they want to come down and help out and can't. Is is there anything there that's worth mentioning
2: uh, about jobs around the ground that that need doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We we do have um, our regular helpers that that go down uh, to see Stan. Um, my mum has, has um, done a religious painting of every single bench on the uh, on the ground again, um, just purely to get herself out of the house. To be honest with you, uh, with people obviously come down there help cut the grass. And to be honest with you, um, we're able to do all of that with with appropriate social distancing, um, applied stands, organising all of that. So if anybody is at loose End and, and, and wants to kill some time, I'm sure if you you bob down during the week, stands around, he'll uh, he'll certainly find you. Uh, Find something to do, and I don't, Gary. You won't have been obviously, but I know Jez has been down to the club. The place looks absolutely immaculate as well, doesn't it? It, is. Um, it, it looks in fantastic, Nick. Uh, so it's a real shame to be honest with you uh, that we're not going to get to uh, to get out there and play on it in the uh, in the near future. We, th- this is another th- frustration, really. In the last sort of couple of years, um, we've spent a, a lot of money on on the square and equipment for the ground and and, and keeping the ground. We had some um aeration thing done this year which is meant to add more bounce into the a uh, little bit more bounce into the square where they literally drill holes down into the ground and then fire fire uh, air out at a lower level so it all sounds a bit gimmicky to me but apparently Stan says it, it works so we, we spent a good few hundred quid getting that done on the main kits. Um, we like I say we've, we've spent all the money on the um uh, the lawnmowers and all the, the various kit that stands requested. Uh, and last year we, we had a massive um, commitment on the the net lanes where we did the, the renovation of them, which stood us to the tune of about 13 grand. So it's just it, it, the frustration I think at the minute is we've got all these facilities that that to be quite frank are, are being either not used or, or underused. And um, I was pleased when the the ECB issued the guidance about. Um, training and practice and all that a lot of the lads have been going down um in pairs and, and doing the uh, doing a little net um to to keep their eye in um in, in line with the ECB guidelines and what have so um it's good to see that that's happening but it, it is a real shame when you look at the place that we're not we're not out there playing on it at the moment. The podcasts
1: have you are they useful or is it something that you've been uh, you've been getting into
2: yeah, I think yeah, I've listened to to everyone so far. I was it was just the Maca one that I hadn't listened to until uh, yesterday. Um, I think they uh, they've been excellent, to be honest with you, um, Jez. The the and um, I love the old stories. I love the um, all the things that, um, that have been discussed and and, and all the reminiscing. Um, it amazes me sometimes the detail that people can remember uh, about certain things, and, and and equally sometimes the detail that people. Forget about, about a particular story where you think to yourself, well, I remember that happening and I remember, um, I remember this also happening around the same time. It's like a couple, couple of examples that, um, that spring to mind. Um, I was listening to Gary's the other day and he mentioned um, the game at Enfield um, where we won from nowhere that season. 95 season, wasn't it? Um, where I think, like Gary said, they needed something like two to win off the last over. Um, we got three wickets in the last over, one by a run. Um absolutely fantastic, uh, fantastic game. But but one game that sticks in my memory that season um was um an old style Lore House hammering, where we we played away at uh, Nelson and um I think it was a Saturday afternoon as well for some reason and um Nelson racked up um three hundred and ten, I think it was, something like that so they smashed 310 and um, we um, we chased those skidoo in that fella called tipu tipu khan or something like that i can't remember um kept smacking the ball into the bowling green so real bad day um, been been pummeled all over the park and and if you remember back then nelson was one of the only grounds that had like a tannoy system and finished our scoring that day um, and um, picks up the scorebook, starts walking across the uh, the ground towards the dressing rooms, and um, they announce on the tannoy, uh, "We're pleased to announce that this is a Lancashire League record limiter of score score, um, breaking the previous record of, of such and such." So, I'm stood with the score of an Elton. I said, "That's not right. Rottenstall smacked 319 against us last year." Uh, <laughs> I thought Bevan smashed us all over last year. So I tells the, the Nelson scorer, he then goes up onto the balcony where the Tannoy block is, tells him, so the Tannoy block issues a retraction in which he references the fact that it's wrong, Lorraus's score has just told us that they got it for 319 last year at Rottenstall. So obviously all the people, it's red hot day as well. All the people on the ground then start laughing. Gary opens the dressing room door and bollocks me. For um, <laughs> basically showing us up in front of everybody. <laughs> no, you were for the screen. Yeah, I, I was just. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't want. I didn't want everyone to to go on thinking they witness a record. Uh, but I remember. I remember that really well. Um, that
1: is interesting. And, uh, so, Gary, you know what with the. Stan and Gary's banter that they have over that period of time with Van Mourhausen. So, so we'll have to get uh, Stan
2: involved, the, the skipper, even bollock the young scorer, <laughs> scorer for telling Tony that he <laughs> won a record. Uh, it's been great to listen to the old stories and and some of the characters and, and people that not necessarily that you forget, but you sort of put to the back of your memory. So, when I when I first started in the the second team, um, Blanche League had been putting old scorecards on. Um, and there was a game, like a second-team game at Accrington. And I don't remember the game at all. I'd have been 17, maybe. But in that team, you had, like, Prop, Payne, um, Dave Wally, Ted Whittle, um, Shez, Peter Gaynor. Uh, some real characters, real proper characters. And, and I, I was talking, after I looked at them, I was saying to my brother that probably that period between being 18 and, and 22 was my favourite time playing cricket because uh, just across the, the dressing room and the, the, the banter that, uh, that we used to have, because so many people that were so quick-witted and, and funny um, that, that could, could really like turn, turn a story within seconds into something that was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, yeah, the great
1: times. And uh, like you said, the, the dressing room is probably the, the place that we all miss the most, you
2: know, as opposed to the yeah. actual, actual playing. Well, I remember uh, one story that, that really sticks around is Nelson again, actually. we, we uh, it, And it was Iggy. Um, and I, I, I implore you to get Iggy on this podcast because he's one of my favourite storytellers of all time, is, is Iggy.
0: Um,
2: especially if he's a couple of um, Fosters in, then you have a real chance of getting some gold out of him.
0: Yeah.
2: But um, we we, um, we were playing in the second team, and, and we had like, um, I think it would have been myself, Charlie, Matt Marquis, Gav. Joe Bernarducci had been in that second team. I bet Johnny Russell was maybe in and out of the first team at, at, at this point. He sort of made a bit more of a breakthrough than the, the other ones of us, because if you remember Charlie sort of made the breakthrough and then fell back a little bit, didn't he? Till he, till uh, till he, til he got switched on a bit more.
1: Yeah. But yeah.
2: he, uh, um, so we're in the we playing away. We're in the dressing room and it's absolutely howling it down outside. So we're all sat there and uh, Peter Gaynor says, "Let's have a sports quiz." So he pulls out, obviously he's, he's come prepared. <laughs> he pulls out these like quiz cards from his from his bag, sports quiz cards, and uh he, he gets them all out and he says, Right, we're gonna have to split into teams. So um someone says youngies versus oldies. All right. So you've got these, you've got the youngsters sat on one side of the dressing room, the oldies sat on the other. But there was a little imbalance in that we had more oldies than we had. We had youngies in the team. So um they said Iggy, you go with the youngies. They obviously didn't want to give up one of the, the star performers. didn't want to give Pete Gaynor up because that might uh, tip the balance in our favour. So they give us Iggy. Um, Iggy comes and sits on our side of the dressing room. And, and this, this quiz is going on for 20 minutes or so and it's quite tight. And uh, Iggy um, the, he gets to like a bit of a tie-break situation. And Pete Gaynor reads a question out and he says, um, Question is, uh, it's bowls. So, straight away, our hearts sink on the the youngster's side. What do we know about bowls? So, he says, the question is, who was the World Bowls champion in 1996? So, we're all sat there with absolutely no idea. Iggy says, "Um, let me think. Iggy goes, "Um, I'll guess at David Goulet. So there's a hush silence. And Pete Gaynor says, that's correct. So we've won the tiebreaker. So we all start jumping up and down and diving on Iggy as, like, the the star of the day. Iggy pops his head out of this melee where we're all diving on him and says, thank for that. My next guest was Sir Francis Drake. (laughs) (laughs) Absolute gold. Brilliant, absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah, so it's just stuff like that that, 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 that like I say, the, the dressing
1: room um, back in the day. Yeah, brilliant. And there's, you know, it's like we've said all along, there are the things, you know, uh, a horrendous situation like this, you know, let's try and make the most of it and let's get these
2: stories out. We definitely look to get Higgy on, We need to. I need to explore that.
0: Um, yeah, I'm not
2: convinced they will be able to work Zoom, that might be your biggest... Uh, yeah. your biggest problem with yeah. Iggy. Might, it might be have to be a, a post-lockdown, socially yeah. distanced session with him. But any social distance from Iggy, with all his fidgeting and,
0: and Elboying, sticking
2: yeah. his elbows out all the time, you've no chance, yeah. have you? No. no. But, I uh, mean, no I, you've, Stan's got his
1: head around how to work the Zoom now quite well, so I just if right. there's anything we could do there with them
2: two sat on a bench
1: somewhere outside.
2: But. Yeah. And, and the other one as well that I, I, I mentioned to you separately, Lofty, um, you 've probably no chance to resum Lofty but uh, he he's he tells all the stories about like the Colin milburn era and all of them yeah. um, and all and all the the pros and things like that back then um and this is the, the famous story where they um i 'll tell it because i, I can 't do it just in a way where they, they they take the wrong car to the away game and stuff like that and there's all kinds of, of, of uh, stuff that really I've, love to hear from them but but no as far as the podcast are concerned and the the stuff that's been done so far i think it's been excellent and and there's there's some other good content from other places in the league as well uh, our friends at burn have done some decent stuff as well haven't they to be to be fair to them yeah. begrudgingly uh give them credit but uh, yeah they've done, they've done yeah. some decent stuff as well so
1: yeah
0: no it is uh, it is it keeps it keeps everything going uh, i don't think uh, mine and Stanny's paths crossed... Uh, Crossed too many times uh, cricket team wise.
2: I, I think we played a few second team games. I think I remember you turning up once in the second team, Gaz, when you were sort of in and out of the. the when you, you sort of played a few games out of the first team, and uh, I remember you turned up, I think it was home against somebody. I remember the, the, Ted Whittle used to turn up regularly. He once turned up at Bakel, and we literally had to carry him up the drive to get into the dressing rooms. He was that drunk from the night, his night out before. And he got hundred and thirty-six now, it's hours, battered <laughs> battered the full innings. Yeah, Ted
1: Whittle. See, that's another one stunner. you know, he was yeah. a great lad he was a great
0: cricketer. You know
2: he the, he was, was a very good work cricketer. Work. Daft as a brush. One of the best stories
0: with with Ted Whittle was uh we played down at Burnley and they got Joe Angel as their pro. And and he was sharp and he was like six foot nine as well. And 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 Burnley, you know, it it was a it wasn't the slow track and he it had a bit of bounce in it. So nobody were looking really forward to 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 that game, I'll tell you. And Ted opened batting and he hung around and everyone's getting pinged and Ted were getting pinged on arm and helmet and hands and his toes and all sorts. And he hung around, he he, he probably didn't get so many, but he showed a lot of grit and a lot of determination, a lot of bravery. Trapes is off, comes up the up the terraces there and and one youngster who, who were watching, I think are a supporter of somebody said, uh, so so is is he quick, Ted? Joe Angel, Ted. Is he, how quick is it? And Ted just turned around. And, well, didn't even look at him. Just as he's walking past, said, "I can't tell you because it tears in my eyes. I couldn't see. You. <laughs> I not see." You yeah, <laughs> and because he backed and into. Yeah, yes. oh, Gab, Gab yeah. Gav tells
2: it. Gav tells a good one in second team. Him and um, him and Ted open batting at home in, in second team and. Uh, We'll playing Aslindon, and they, they had a bit of an all-conquering second team back then did the Aslindon, and um, I think it was Patrick Lord was opening the bowling. they're walking out to bat and, and Ted says to, to Gav, um, played lots of cricket against uh, Patrick he uh, he bowls a good Yorker first up so Ted takes strike Patrick runs into bowl, ball Yorker absolutely cleans Ted up <laughs> ball ends up so he's warned Gal about this Yorker. Yorker gets absolutely cleaned up by this first ball of the innings <laughs> Turns around, looks at his stumps, walks past Gav and says, told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic,
1: fantastic. Thanks very much for coming on, Stanny. Um, let's, uh, you know, let's all be as optimistic as, as Matt is for the future of the club and the future of cricket in general, local cricket. And, um, and all the best. Thanks very much, everyone. Mm.
0: More house, to save the house.